This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 23 of the March to the Arch podcast and this 2019-2020 Missouri Valley Conference basketball season. On today's episode, we've got a fun one. We're going to break down games six and seven of the season. They're going to be joined by Rex from Aces Hoopcast. And along the way, we're going to have all the fun banter and a couple fun segments here. So before we get into everything, how are we doing today, Baker? We're doing okay. This is... This is a bad week for me and a great week for you, so I've been dreading doing this podcast with you. But Before you get too down in dumps, happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. You had a birthday this week, so, I mean. Yeah, my birthday was actually yesterday, and uh, Illinois State lost to Bradley, so. There we go. Can't, so, beat, can't beat it. Uh, but you know what? I, I did have, but you know what? So, little little fun fact. My son had learned to skate last night. Man, is he gliding. Oh, yeah? I'm telling you. He's, he's really picking it up, so. I am pretty excited about that. That's pretty cool. It's you know, it's kind of like the first steps, first skate. Yeah, it's like this learn. It, so they do this learn to skate thing in in our town here, um, and it is if you're if it's not your child out there and you don't have an invested interest, I'm sure it's probably really hard to watch. <laughs> but no, he's doing really well, and I'm really proud of him because he's he's gotten past the fear of being on ice skates. So um, my man's doing good. But no, I was going to say this weekend. Um, this is like the weekend between the Super So we have a Super Bowl matchup now. Yes. You know who's in the Super Bowl, right? Yes, okay. I do. Because I know you're not a big football fan. Chiefs and, and the 49ers. Yeah, there you go. Yep. See, there you go. I I, I don't want to assume because I know football is never your thing. You're Valley Hoops guy. Valley not Hoops as guy. Not as much in football, but um, we will give our picks on the Super Bowl next week because okay. it will be more timely. But sure. this weekend, um, there are two, like, I don't know if these are like, so when I was a kid, these were like the two guilty pleasure things, and they always fall like right around this time. Um, so I want to get your take on what you think about either one. Okay. All right. The first one is the Royal Rumble. Okay. What is your opinion on the Royal Rumble? Because we talked a little bit about it. Because I think you said you really didn't watch much as a kid. No, I mean I know the big names like uh, Stone Cold, Stone um, Cold the Steve Rock, Austin, the Rock. Mankind. Um, sure. Undertaker. Do you know what the Royal Rumble is? Like where they have like a bunch of guys and they throw them over. Yeah, it's a Royal Rumble. Right. It's awesome. <laughs> so that's awesome and. There's also the Winter X Games, which is something oh, that's like a... Honestly, I, I think it's more because it's kind of like a, a bucket list thing for me to actually go there because I've heard okay. how fun it is to okay. actually like watch it. Like, Listen, I don't know any of the snowboarders except for like Chloe Kim and... Uh, You're speaking a different language right now. What's his face? Um, oh, Somebody that half the audience, if not three-fourths um, of the audience, won't know. There's the what's the guy with the long hair? Um, Sean White. Sean White. Yeah. See, there you go. I, those are the only ones I really know. But like watching it and watching them do like their flips and stuff, I always thought it was cool. And I've heard it's like an amazing time if you go there in person. So that's something you don't care about, right? Yep. Not at all. Interesting. Interesting. Is there anything else going on in your life right now? Like anything fun going on? Like is there anything else you're looking forward to other than Valley Hoops? Um, not really. Have you um, seen the, any of the Oscar movies? Because my wife and I just finally saw two of them. Uh, that's a negative. You haven't seen um, any of these. Movies. I'd really like to see 1917. Um, oh, I heard it's awesome. Big fan that's of that. one I haven't seen. We saw, um, so we saw Joker, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. You haven't seen either one. Nope. Well, then we can't really talk about them. <laughs> um, so one more side note before we get into our actual talk. This is kind of college basketball, so it's a good transition. Um, did you see the 
Kansas State, Kansas. Yes, situation. and so very interesting fact. You know, I'm a big referee guy. Totally. Um, uh, that's why I kind of wanted to bring it up with you. Yep. Uh, Higgins had the Kansas State, Kansas, Kansas State game. Uh, my all-time favorite referee. He, was he um, really? Yeah. He was, oh, I didn't he, even know he was Higgins was in the mix. Whoa. <laughs> um, so he's my all-time uh, favorite referee. Next night, where's he at? I don't know. What? Did you watch the game? I'm not paying attention to the rest. Was he in Carbondale? No, he's in Peoria. Oh, was he glad he wasn't paying attention? <laughs> I was like, when you're not at the game, it's hard. I don't, I don't yeah. ever notice it. But so whenever I notice, I'm doubted on who the refs are every game. Um, so yeah, Higgins was at the. God, uh, I didn't even notice him Bradley at, at, RV, or yeah. at uh, Peoria last night. Yeah, so pretty cool. So what did you think of the brawl? Like, I thought it was kind of, I so I get the t- I've I've heard a lot of takes on this, and my thoughts are. I get the whole Kansas deserved to be mad because the guy stole the ball. Um, yes and no. Um, I feel like that was quite the overreaction. Um, so here's my take. I am pro-Kansas player up until the second after he stood over the guy. I agree. Yeah. I am pro-Kansas guy. Right. Everything after it, he should not be playing basketball. So And so my thought was... Up until that point, I was on his side, and the second that he was standing over him, taunting him, he basically just erased any goodwill he had. Yep. And then he also picked up a chair, which was ridiculous. I'm, so, all, I'm not in the camp that says that a young kid like this cannot play again. I think mm-hmm. he deserves a really... I, what did he get, like 10 games? Yeah, 10 I don't know. Yeah. I think that was... That's fair. I, I think, think that was... Fair. I'm not one of those guys that says um, a Let's, 20-year-old made a mistake and... Ten seconds of the heat of the moment, you he never wears a basketball jersey. No, I'm with you 100. I think I'm the Dick Vitale take was a little hard. Yeah, um, so I I'm even okay with him standing over him because what the Kansas State guy was stupid. I'm so glad that he got swatted to the moon. <laughs> he um, got swatted to the moon. But tenth uh, row, man. Everything after that is sure that that guy needs a significant suspension. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was uh, it was an unfortunate. There's a black eye for both teams easily. Yeah, for sure. It was just an unfortunate situation. And I mean, you don't. Uh, I mean, unless I'm like forgetting something, I, I can't think of Bill Self and Bruce Weber teams ever getting involved in these kind of things no. before. So I, it's just surprising. I just think I'm that stunned Kansas with State. I'm is, stunned with both coaches, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, like it doesn't feel like something that would come from either player. I think it's just a kind of a heat of the moment thing. Um, lack of judgment on one side of not letting the clock run out and stealing the ball, and then an extreme lack of judgment on uh, DeSouza, as his yep. name? Yeah, DeSouza. DeSouza, um, maybe. Yeah, um, something like that. Um, but so, yeah, no, that, I mean, at least we kind of gave our thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, yes, we're going to dive into the standings here in a second and dive into the games, but I think we have to talk about probably one of the biggest non-game um Thing that happened this week in the Valley, yep. and that is uh, Walter McCarty was um, terminated his employment with the University of Evansville, um, and he is has been replaced mid-season with Todd Lightler. Lick Lighter. Lick Lighter. Otherwise, sorry, Lick Lighter. <laughs> um, so, initial thoughts. I have. Let me start. Um, one super interesting that happened mid-season. Um, I think it's. For what was available out there, I would say people are surprised because it happened midseason. They just didn't let Benny finish out the season and then bring someone in. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, Lick Lighter, Todd, uh, w- has been a part of the Evansville program, I believe, as early as last year. And so there might be some continuity there that it's not as big of a shakeup as people think. Mm-hmm. And so it's not really as foreign as what people jump to conclusions and say, midseason change? Um, 
so with what they had available, I think it's a it's a good hire. Yeah. So I mean, just touching on McCarty, um, super unfortunate um, with what happened. I don't know all the details. Um, from talking to people in Evansville and hearing reading articles, I don't think ever, anyone knows the whole all the details of what happened. Um, but just unfortunate. Um, you feel for the players on the team to have to go through that, especially at the high that they had mm-hmm. with this season. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you about Todd Licklider. Um He had so I know that he's he's there's been some words about he had different guys' talent whenever he was at different schools. Um, but he's taken teams to NCAA term. He's been to two Sweet Sixteens with Butler. Um, he did coach at Iowa where he wasn't very good. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't have very much success there. Uh, but for me, it's a guy who's coached a high-level D1. So uh, if nothing else, um, and I don't know how, I'm assuming it's rather permanent. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I'm, I can't imagine it not being if they didn't let Benny finish the season. So right. um, I wish him all the best. I think, he, I think at least it, it's someone who has had some success, and it is someone who's coached at a very high level in Division One. So I, I think it's a good hire, especially midseason, because, I mean, you're really scraping the bottom of the barrel sometimes when you're looking for a coach to replace someone midseason. Yep. So. I mean, kind of hands off to the administration that it, it feels like Benny's being retained and is going to stay as his assistant coach. So there's continuity there. So there's not as much animosity, I would say. But um, I just think it was crazy that they announced it on Tuesday and he was coaching the next day. Yeah. Um, that was, and I don't think we're surprised with the result that happened. Uh, and, and who last knows? Night. If he, yeah, and who knows? I mean, what we don't, I mean, it was announced Tuesday, but who knows how, how long? It might have been over the weekend when right, things yeah. were starting to kind of come out. But he addressed the team for the first time Tuesday night. Right. It is it is a weird situation. Um, I, there's, I don't think that there's really a playbook for administration to go through the situation. <laughs> right. So. Um, I can, I'm not going to sit here and criticize them how they handled everything because I don't know all this. I don't know the whole story. Neither do you. Yep. So um, as as when it comes to I guess Todd Licklider, um, hopefully he can kind of get Evansville going on the back back in the right direction because they had a lot of they have a lot of potential with this team mm-hmm. and hopefully maybe he can get them together, win some games, maybe make a little noise down St. Louis. And so. I'll plug the interview that's coming up later on this episode that we're going to dive into the Evansville Aces uh, with Rex. Um, so. Let's move to standings. Um, so we're through games six and seven. Uh, there's one more game to be played this evening with Missouri State taking on Valpo. Which is an awesome game, by it the is, way. Yes, it will be. That is a fun game to want to watch. Um, so we've got Loyola all alone in first place, Baker. Can you believe uh, it? Six and one. The Rambles. Um, then we have you uh, and I and Bradley tied at five and two. Then Drake and Southern Illinois at four and three. Uh, Valpo, Missouri State, and Indiana State uh, currently have three wins. Um, so either Valpo or Missouri State will They'll move join up. We'll Drake join and Southern. Drake and SIU. Yep. Then there's Illinois State at one and six, mm. and rounding out the ten teams is the Evansville, who is still winless, zero uh, and seven. Okay. Any surprises there, Baker? We'll get into it, but obviously the biggest surprise for me is Southern Illinois because um, I wasn't very high on them, and um, we'll talk about it. Yep. So you ready to jump into games? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we are going to start with uh, game six. That were the game starting on Wednesday. So let's just kick it off with uh, Missouri State going to the Ford Center and beating the Evansville Purple Aces 68 to 58. Um, with the time frame, there was another sweep that happened, but this was the first sweep of the Valley season. Missouri State has taken two from Evansville. Before we get started, um, the scheduling in this league with teams playing their yep. second game against them within the first nine. 
I'm I usually I, I love the Missouri Valley. I am high on them. I, they have awesome employees. They have a lot of good people there. They got to figure out this schedule because yeah. this is not. I I I saw what Brian Wardle said after the Northern Iowa game that he said you know we got to lace them up and play the games. But I'm sorry, you. I think it's I think it's kind of ridiculous. Like we can't do nine and nine. Right. I'm with you. So, um, and, and I know with scheduling conflicts, maybe maybe you. At least, like, you shouldn't have them within your first six games. Right. Playing these back to back. So, maybe just recap this. Uh, Missouri State and Evansville have played two games against each other, and the most egregious one is you and I and Bradley have now played two games, so they're done. And I think there's another one. I can't remember which one it is, but there is another one that's happened as well. So, Or yeah. maybe it's about to happen. I can't remember, but it's... I don't know. I just wish that we didn't have that situation in the Valley. Yep, I'm with you. But anyway, sorry, back All to right, the Let's State. reset. Um, so Wednesday um, game, so starting off the game six for the Valley, when, when Saturday. sorry, Saturday. Saturday. I meant to correct. I think I said Wednesday originally, and I went back to correct. So Saturday, January 18th, uh, Missouri State at Evansville, uh, 68-58. Um, the, the Bears won. Um, Mosley had 23, Keandre Cook had 19, Prem had 12. Um, Missouri State did not have DeSilva or Tyreek Dixon, um, but I think the biggest story here for the Evansville is um, DeAndre Williams being out, continued being out, and KJ Riley had 21. Uh, Evansville was up five at half. I was like, oh, here we go. Evansville's going to have their first win, uh, potentially. And I was ready to put the the done stamp on um, Missouri State if they went to Evan Evansville and lost and just relegated them to Thursday night um, in the Missouri Valley. And that's why this game tonight is really big. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a tale of two halves. Um, Evansville was really good in the first half, um, had the five-point lead, and then uh, they only had three turnovers in the first half, and then they turned the ball over ten times in the second half. Uh, that's not going to win you a lot of games. They were outscored by 15 points in the second half. Um, Mosley, 10 for 14 from the field. That's awesome. Prim, uh, another game where he started uh, with De Silva out. Um, and it sounds like De Silva's questionable again for the Valpo game, which that's not a good sign. But um, it wasn't, uh, Prim had 12. It wasn't as super impressive, but I still, uh, to me, he's one of the, I think he has become one of the key, guy, key guys on this team. And Mosley really have kind of, Separate themselves from me. Yep. As their two guys that I'm, I'm keying on. And the West isn't even on my board, Baker. Like, I know. I know. Who I thought was going to be the newcomer Cook, of the Cook. year. Even Keandre Cook, though. I mean, he had a good game here, but I mean, he's even kind of been hot and cold. Mm -hmm. is the best way to put it for me. But like, to me, Prim. I, I guess seeing him in person when I saw him at Illinois State, um, his footwork down low and his power that he plays with is just. It is a problem for any big guy in the league. I don't care if it's Robbins, Crutwick, whoever. Yep. Um, so no, I, I think I think, and I like to see him starting. Yep. Um, but yeah, big good win for Missouri State, making a nice comeback in the second half. This was a game if you're Missouri State, you had to win. Yep. Absolutely, to even you know get out of that Thursday. Um, so let's move on to you and I. Um, Going to Bradley and getting a road win, eighty-six to seventy-one. I need to prefer preference these Saturday comments. Um, all of my comments I wrote down on Saturday or over the weekend, and so it's before Wednesday night's um, action. So that will, you'll understand what I say here in a little bit. So um, the Panthers ended Bradley's fourteen-game uh, home winning streak. Yeah, um, I saw that. And the biggest one that uh, I, I kind of want to track now is road wins. Are hard to come by on the valley and so the valley champion 
goes on the road and wins. And it, they sure are, Vance. <laughs> and it's in. I wrote down. <laughs> it's scary when you and I gets consistent. <laughs> oh no! This um, was this so. was a game where they kind of flexed their muscles. It really yep. felt. They jumped out early. Bradley closed the gap by halftime. There was a point in the game, and I don't know if you remember this point, but Kingsby had a an and one. Again, I think Burhow fouled him, and it cut it to three points. And then after that, Northern Iowa just kind of inched away, yep. and it just kind of felt like it got away from Bradley. Yep. And I think not having your full your full group and maybe dealing with injuries just it just kind of feels like it's catching yep. up to Bradley against against a really quality team. And the thing was, when you're shorthanded. And you and I, who's the best team in the league, plays this well, you're not going to win. Yep, absolutely. Um, one of the other notes, and just kind of uh, going off of what you said, is that I noticed that the fans just couldn't get involved because you and I would hold off all the runs. They like, would. I know. Bradley would it was hit a huge, three. huge crowd. Yeah, big crowd. Yep. Um, so just looking at some of the stats, AJ Green had 25 points. Five, uh, Fife had uh, 15. And he was, he seven, was in, seven for eight. Seven for eight, and then he was in foul trouble for a lot mm-hmm. of the game, so that, yeah. that's huge. And most importantly, you and I had four players in double figures. Green, five, Pickford, and Burhow. I felt like AJ kind of forced it a little bit at times in this game. But, I mean, he still had a really solid game, 25 points. Yep. But it definitely felt like he was forcing it a little bit, and that was kind of when Bradley would kind of semi-inch back in. But um, end of the day, that's uh, the, the story of the game is Northern Iowa played really well in this game, and... That's that's the way it goes. Yep. Just and I think we got to talk about Kingsby. He had twenty eight points. He had the first yeah, he was eleven awesome. points of the game. He was awesome. Bradley. Like I said, that that and one was that and one was the moment where the crowd was really getting yep. into it. It would cut it to, I can't remember. It was cut it to three or maybe one. I don't remember. But yeah, foul about Burhau and the crowd was getting into it. And then I I want to say either the next the next trip down or two trips down later. They hit a three, and it was just kind of gone. Yeah. I mean, great great game for Kingsby. His, his career high was 13 before this game, and then went off for 20. Which is awesome. Yep. Um, I think Nate Cannell had four points and no threes. I don't think Bradley's going to win a lot of games when that happens. When you don't have Childs, Cannell's got to play well. Yep. All right, let's uh, move on to Indiana State going to Valpo, and uh, the Crusaders taking care of business against the Sycamores, 86-77. to Um so I want to take you back to when I saw Vance. I talked to Vance on Monday morning, and we hadn't talked all weekend about these games. And I asked him, I said, did you watch the Indiana State Valpo game? And you said, yes. And I said, was that one of the most entertaining games of the year? And it was like, yes. That was such a fun game to watch. I think I tweeted out, like, this is the sneaky. Everyone was looking at you and I, Bradley. No this was the sneaky good game. I know. Game. I know. Um, I was putting together a um, a cabinet for a cabinet for my kid's room, a bookcase mm-hmm. cabinet. And I was watching this whole game, and I, like, I stopped working on it because it was yeah. just so entertaining. Don't lie, you were just mad at IKEA. Oh, that's that's another <laughs> story. That's another story. All right, um, looking at this game, um, you know, really for Valpo, they had injury scares throughout the first half. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, Freeman Liberty he went down midway through the first half and missed six minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron Gordon, I think it's Aaron, uh, went down for four minutes. So you know, they had two. Uh, con- I mean. JFL is biggest contributor, um, sure. n- not playing for six minutes uh, there. Um, that, so that was big for me that Valpo kind of came through adversity when 10 minutes were gone from two of your leading contributors. Um, and then uh, Indiana State was up 11 at half. Is yep. that right? No. No, sorry. No, no. no, no, no. no, no. I have my wrong notes. No, um, they got it within three. They were up they 11. Three. I think they might have been up 11 within the first oh, half. Oh, in the first half. Sorry, not at the half. So um, they I wrote fit. down, yeah, Indiana State was up 11 in the first half. Right. Valpo um, put it to three at the break. And yep. it was, it, the second half felt very much back and forth, kind of 
Key versus JFL at times, mm -hmm. where um, Key was Key was good. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say anything bad about him. Um, it definitely felt like the others for Valpo stepped up in this game yep. to kind of keep him afloat. And then at the end of the game, um, JFL took over. And um, so I have a question for you about this game. Is JFL the – so not talking about Saluki players. Is he the most exciting player to watch in the Valley? Just with his passion and just the things he does. For me, he's kind of becoming that. It's him and AJ Green. Yeah, just for some reason. But I, after last night, I'm now JFL. <laughs> well, I, I know, I know. It's a, it could be a recency thing. But like for um, me, watching him in this game and how fired up he was yeah. because he knew how big that game could be because this is it was two quality teams who are one of these teams has a real chance of playing on a Thursday. Yep. And this game is really going to matter. Yep. I mean, um, he had 25 points and missed six minutes. Yeah. He was awesome. Huge. I was, the, uh, the, the last five minutes of the game was the JFL show. Yes. And it was awesome. I, I loved every minute of it. I need to, uh, so I listened to the press conference and then read some of the quotes. Um, you know, Matt Lodick um, just saying this was a culture win for Valpo, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, they won despite no Saki, no Robinson, no Fizikas, and just everyone banded together to um, have the win. Kaiser had 12 points, um, which is a career high for him that he just said the this is for, for the Crusaders to be successful and for the basketball culture to be a winning one. This was a huge win to um, continue that. For sure. Uh, on Matt, the other end, Matt uh, Loddick's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, Greg Lansing didn't like his defensive effort and said they didn't deserve to win. So, <laughs> a tale of two coaches. It was really disappointing for, for Indiana State to lose this game because it, it, it kind of felt like at, at times during the game they fell into that Barnes and Key save us mode, mm -hmm. um, which. I don't think that that works for them. I think that they need con contributions from others to win games. I think they've got two of the best players in the league, but I yep. think they need the other guys to step up and play. And, and that came down to it. The Valpo others stepped up, the Indiana State ones didn't, and that was the difference. Yep. All right, uh, and we will move on to uh, the Sunday. last game of the Saturday. There, nope, we're in Sunday now. Oh, yeah, it was The on next Sunday. two Sorry. are on Sunday. Sorry, next two on Sunday. Um, <laughs> Sunday the 19th. Man, my calendar is It's okay. Bigger. It's okay. Um, I'm, I got you. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, so Drake went to uh, Southern Illinois and got slaughtered. I was so pumped. I was stunned. <laughs> um, so here's the stats that stick out to me as a Saluki fan, or the one stat. This was Drake's second lowest scoring game at 49 and 47 was their the lowest one of the year. Uh, so SIU won 66 to 49. Um, the best part about this game is it was really never in doubt as a Saluki fan. Um, it was somewhat of a wire-to-wire beatdown. Um, Barrett Benson had 18, 10 rebounds. Uh, no Ronnie Suggs for the Salukis. Um, some of our rebounding issues are starting to come around. Early season, we had awful rebounding issues mm -hmm. and um so it's we're improving and so that's what's probably the most exciting for me um liam robbins had a second uh, straight double double for the bulldogs um, but that was about it yeah it felt like liam robbins was the only one that did anything well i mean not that did anything but when penn murphy and wilkins i think combined for like 20 points and um it feels like you need to get more out of those three so, yep. so you got to find more so um, I don't know if the blueprint was maybe laid out here by Brian Mullins with how to beat Drake is to let Liam Robbins get his and try to just contain the rest. I don't know. That's that's kind of one one take off this game for me at least. Um, another thing was Benson. Um, I have not been very high on him this year. 
Um, I think this is. I think this game, and then obviously last night is kind of. I'm starting to come around a little bit. Yep. I really do. I think that um, I wasn't super impressed with them early on in the season, especially in the non-conference, whenever I saw him. But I'm starting to kind of come around with the fact that he is pretty good. See, I'm on the opposite spectrum of it. I just <laughs> think that he's getting the ball and going the hoop and getting points. Um, so okay, I, I understand the take, but. Um, I think it just, I, I used to, uh, whenever I watched him out there, it kind of felt like he was lost at times, and I don't feel that anymore. Okay. But uh, you'd know better than I, so I don't want to sit here and pretend like no, I'm, you're fine. Fine. I'm watching every takes. detail of Saluki basketball. But Carrington Davis, by the way, I think is my favorite Saluki. Oh, he is going to be so good. The favorite. future with him and Domask is awesome. Because we'll they're both it freshmen, the right? Yeah. Okay, so. We'll talk about the freshmen in the I love game. Carrington. I, I think yep. that he's, it's funny, so, um, when it comes to like Southern Illinois, I always have like a weird favorite player on the Salukis. It's never your best player, but it's this this time it's Carrington Davis now. So all right, it was Sean Lloyd last year. I loved, I loved. You know, I love Sean. I know. Lloyd. All right, uh, last game that I know you want to just uh, cruise over, but Loyola going to Redburn Arena, RBA, and beating the Redbirds uh, sixty-two to fifty, um, league leading Loyola Ramblers. Uh, Redbirds hung around for most of the first half. Uh, then uh, with 4.23 in the game, Zach Coblin hit a three. And that was the last basket for Illinois State until 14.29 in the second half. They went nine minutes and 54 seconds of game time at home without a basket. Yikes. Um, the birds were bad. Um, every single time in the second half where they would kind of look like they might hit a, hit a shot and they might go on a run, Loyola would answer right back. Um, for me, Loyola's body language, and you know, in particular, when you look at like Porter Mosier and Dan Muller, um, it is so far the opposite ends of the spectrum. One team looked like they were in in that building on a business trip to get a win and get out of there. The mm-hmm. other team looked like they were trying to find figure it out on the fly. Um, Loyola's a really good team. Um, there's not a there's not really a ton I can say. Tate Hall uh, continues to keep tearing it up. Um, he's the three-point shooter that we were hoping for with Loyola, mm-hmm. with Kafis not playing. Um, Crutwig wasn't great, but he didn't have to be because yeah. it was. He hit a couple timely hoops in the second half, and um, end of the day, Loyola did what they had to to get a win, and they they moved on. And Illinois State was it was it was kind of uninspiring. Yep. All right, uh, let's move on to Game 7. Uh, Do you have any thoughts I've got nothing. Birds on that? I've got nothing. You've got the Redbirds. No, um, can, we just get the, can we just rip the Band-Aid off and just do Illinois State now? Okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, um, so, yeah, this is the, other, the next Illinois State game, which is um, there was no Brown, no Child, and Illinois State still lost. So Illinois State went to Bradley, uh, lost 75-63. Oh, okay. Um, so, but with no Brown, no Brown, no Child, and they still lost on the road to your rival, when you saw that report come in that there was no Brown, did you start like licking your lips like, hey, maybe maybe we're going to get a road win? Nope. Okay. Um, this was, it's just, uh, I, I think I'm never, there, you're never going to get me to have the expectation of winning on the road yet this year. I think we will at some point, but man, it's going to be Is tough. Is it Evansville? I don't even know. <laughs> Because um, DeAndre Williams will probably be back by then. It's, <laughs> la- it's the last game of the season, so um, don't think I haven't looked that. I did look that far ahead. Um, the first half was good for Illinois State. I was happy with the first half, and then in the second half, it was it was kind of a deal where when Illinois State needed a bucket, they couldn't get it, and they would miss the shot. Yeah. When Bradley needed a bucket, it always went in. And it was just kind of how it worked, um, and it was always kind of during the second half. And I I was watching with my wife, and I kept saying, God. Do not let this get over 10. Do not let this get to double digits because then it's over. And then mm-hmm. it did, and it was over. And I think all optimism kind of went out the window. Um, Barr 
for Bradley. Um, I'm kind of impressed with him this year. I know that I feel like I read an article, maybe saw something that he went home, went overseas back home in the offseason and then came back. So it's really good to see him. He's really contributing as a senior on this team. So I was really impressed with him. Um, Henry, who's had really good games, wasn't special. But um, Tavaninen. Yep. Right? It's Tavaninen. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive I got that right. But he had a really good game. Him and Canal both had 18 points. They were really good for hitting from threes. Um, when Bradley's shorthanded, but those two are shooting the ball well, um, that's why Bradley can win games. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think everybody, like these others for Bradley, if they ever get a full group together, watch out. Because this team is going to make a lot of noise in St. Louis, I think. Um, this is this is kind of just another frustrating loss for the Redbirds. Um Hopefully they're ready to lace it up on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they're not. Uh, <laughs> all right, um, we'll go back to Drake at Evansville. So Evansville with their first um, game with their new coach, Todd Licklider. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of as I expected, Drake went in there and beat them by 23. I, I'm going to come out and say I didn't watch a minute of this game. Um, so as my notes read, it says, didn't watch a minute of this game. Okay. So, so you and I both, but from, from everything, I've read some articles. Drake basically dominated the game. Um, Robin 16-8, and eight, Penn 14-8 and eight assists. Um, Evansville didn't play well. Uh, there's really not much to say about it. Um, this kind of feels like we talked about it a long time ago, and this is not as respected Evansville, but kind of where they're at in the program, it, it's gonna might sound like it. But this is a get right game for Drake after having a really bad performance on the road the other night, the other day at mm-hmm. SIU, um, where now they have three out of four games at home for Drake. So I think this was a really big win for them to just go on the road, take care of business, get the win. That's all I have really to say about it. Yep. All right, let's go to Indiana State at Loyola. Um, Loyola won by 20, 75 to 55. Um, so really Loyola had a 17-point uh, first-half lead, and that's what they needed because in the second half, um, it, it was a tale of two halves, as you would say. Um, Loyola's starting to have a sneaky good home uh, record in conference. And I mean, they're league leading, so there you go. Um, Crutwig had 13, uh, Hall, Tate Hall, Another fun guy to watch. It's about two weeks ago when we really started, he really started like tearing it up for them. Yeah, had 23. Mm-hmm. He was 5 of 5 from three-point range. Mm-hmm. Um, 9 of 10 from the field. You're not going to lose very many games when you go 5 of 5 from uh, three-point. Nope, Crutwig double-double. Um, the, um, there was a 23-8 to eight run in the first half, which is where Loyola did their damage. Just and did the separation. And it was over. Yep. Um, Really kind of disappointed with um, Indiana State overall with these two games this week. They went 0-2. Oh, and, oh, and, and we two talked about this, and this last happened episode. again. I know. This is the same thing that happened to them. I can't remember. Was it Drake and – I can't remember who the other team they played. They played Drake and somebody on the road. and it, Oh, it was Drake in Northern Iowa last mm-hmm. time. And now they had another stretch of two games on the road, and they still can't win on the road. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, they have the talent. They've got they really good players. I know you're higher on them than I am, and I'm starting to kind of get there, but – Let's win a road game. Yeah. I know how hard it is, but. Just uninspired first half ball from the Sycamores. Yeah. It's really kind of. Yeah. No, and and Key only had eight points, and I think that that kind of shows the if he doesn't play well and score, Sycamores are in trouble. Yep. And then obviously, my favorite game of the night, uh, the Panthers went to Carbondale and the Slukies won 68 66. Um,. Wow, that, it's fun to be a Saluki fan right now. And, you know, this is all coming from a homer perspective. We have not gone on the road in Valley 
and won a game yet. So this is all we're protecting home court, which is what you're supposed to do in the Valley, or just any team should protect your home court. But we're winning games people didn't expect us to win, and I think it's it's a testament to um, Mullins is our coach and he's getting the most out of the talent that he has. And the most important thing to me is he's developing that talent. Um, so news this week, uh, Aaron Cook, who has been injured um, with a hand injury, has uh, decided to forego the rest of the season and seek a medical red shirt. And all indications are he will stay with the Salukis. Is he gonna get the medical red shirt? I mean, that's, I mean, we're at the NCAA's um, mercy, but he has not played in enough games. How many games has he played, do you know? Less than 13, I think. Because is, isn't it 12? I think, yeah. Okay. Or, I think it was the other way around. But anyway, um, he has... Uh, no, I'm saying, wasn't 12 the limit? Yeah. Okay. And so he's, we're in a good spot sure. that he should be granted his uh, medical red shirt. So that is you huge. Ha- you hate to see that for a senior, um, but he's going to be a senior next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you get that medical red shirt, bringing with the guys you have coming back, that is humongous It is. Um, because, I mean, so we're very young, you know, just getting back to the game. I believe the freshman for Southern Illinois had over 40 points. Um, of our total 68, which is an awesome uh, stat to uh, see. Uh, Lance Jones, 4-7 from three. Uh, Trent Brown just deed up A.J. Green. Um, So A.J. Green scored his first field goal with three minutes left in the first half. I don't think Northern Iowa's winning very many games when that happens. Um, gosh, just I'm having just flashbacks of mid 2000s where Forburn Forburn U was a thing at SIU, and I love defense, and we're back with that with defense. Um, so I think one interesting part of game planning that Mullins did was uh, when the shot clock got to a certain number, like I believe it was you know eight to five range, um, SIU would go double team uh, AJ Green. They said hey, you know what, he's not going to beat us uh, with the last couple seconds of the shot clock. Go double-team him. And they just kind of got flustered. Um, that's kind of my take. Uh, some other things happened in the game. A.J. Green got a flagrant foul um, in the second half. That was a good call. I thought so as well. I texted you on the spot and um, non-homer because obviously I don't want fans to be happy. Um, <laughs> so, But I, when I saw that and I was just like, that was a flagrant. And like you... By the letter of law, that's a flagrant foul. Yeah. Um, the intention might not have been there, but you can't. There's no way that you can't call it that. Yeah. So, um, I know a lot of Northern Iowa fans were pretty upset on Twitter. I was reading that they weren't real happy that that was a flagrant foul. But, I mean, from my perspective, as someone who's kind of a neutral party in this whole thing, I thought it was obviously a flagrant. And right. I think it was more. It might have just been he had his arm up there out of frustration. I don't know. Who knows what was going yeah. through his mind? But yeah. Um, one of the most interesting um, things, UNI has two conference losses, ISU and SIU. Um, both teams have just gone off from three for those games to, is that to the, win those games. Is that the blueprint, you think? You have to get hot from three to beat UNI. Uh, I need to credit somebody on uh, NBC fans, but uh, basically they said uh, in uh, UNI's losses, guards not covered by Isaiah Brown in the ISU game Reeves was three for six. Horn was three of three. Hillsman was three of three. In the SIU game, Jones was four of seven, and Brown was three of six. So um, maybe they have some perimeter defense issues. And Isaiah Brown can play defense, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm saying <laughs> guards not covered by Isaiah Brown because Isaiah Brown can play some wicked defense. But um, so I, 
I'm going to jump in here. First off, huge win for Southern. I'm not going to I'm not going to shortchange you. That is a huge win for the program. This is kind of like for Mullins, who's really trying to get things rolling. Man, this one feels special for you. Guys. This is a first marquee win, in for my opinion. For sure. Yep. For sure. So um, that's good. It kind of, especially, it kind of lightens up what we've kind of all known that this team is coming. Um, from the Northern Iowa perspective, it felt like it didn't. It didn't feel like there was that. I don't know, urgency mm-hmm. as fast as I wanted it to be because you balloon that lead up to like 15, 17 points in the second half. And then I felt like they kind of were like, oh, crap, we really need to start figuring this out. And they can't, They made a run, and it felt like one of those games where you they kept making a run, but it ran. they ran out of time mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't want to blame – you can't blame anybody, A.J. No. Green especially. Cause, Not at all. I mean, the, the, the three he hit right before he – then he forced the turnover and then almost yep. hit the game winner, which – Nine times out of ten, we talked about nine times out of ten, he's making that shot. Yes, yeah, I said that this morning to you when yeah, we were exactly. talking. Was yeah, nine times out of ten, that shot's going down. But yeah. credit Trent Brown, like I mean, oh, he, it was good yeah. defense. But yeah. I mean, that's just kind of how special AJ Green is. Um, I think this is at the end of the day a game that Northern Iowa would love to have back. Mm-hmm. But credit Southern Illinois because they outplayed him; they deserve to win the game. Yep. Um, and I think that this is a this is one of those things that proves the fact that it is very difficult to win on the road in the Missouri Valley. Yep, absolutely. All right, this has been the breakdown of games uh, six and seven. All right, we're going to recap the Missouri State win over Valparaiso University, 67-60. Hey, Baker, um, JFL did not have a great night tonight. What do you got for the game? No, he really didn't. It wasn't a very good game for him. Uh, just shout out to your buddy John Higgins on the uh, doing the refereeing tonight for uh, for the game. Uh, there was uh, to to tell the truth about the game. Uh, Missouri State played really well in the first half and uh, led by twenty at halftime, and it kind of was Valpo fighting back, fighting back, and they just could never get over the hump. Um, there was an interesting technical foul late on uh, Saki when he. Went up for a layup. It looked like it should have been an and one, and it wasn't even the announcers were kind of saying. Uh, and it was actually called by John Higgins, so I thought it was kind of egregious, but I don't know if maybe the Kansas State-Kansas deal was kind of keeping keeping it a little tighter there. But, um, you know, it, it just kind of felt like Valpo, every time they, they had their chances, they just there would be mistakes. I mean, they um, they got ba- they bailed out Missouri State after uh, being down seven. Uh, late in the game where they fouled Cooper with one second left on the shot clock, and it was just not good for them. Um, end of the day, um, so-so second half for Missouri State, but they had enough of a lead to just kind of walk away with it. Um, yeah, like you said, uh, JFL wasn't very good. He was 4 for 18 and 1 for 10 from 3, which is definitely not like him. This is one of those games he's going to want to forget about. Um, it kind of felt like him and Mosley were the two best players on the court were trying to force the issue. Mosley was 0 for 6 from 3. Um, it just wasn't a really great night. Um, Fazekas, uh, finally played tonight, which, uh, he ended up having a couple of threes in the game. So, uh, that was a good sign, at least seeing him back on the floor, but, um, really not a ton to say about this game. Missouri state just kind of took care of business at home, got a big win for them. Uh, that moves them to four and three in the, in the Valley and a three-way tie for fourth with Southern Illinois and Drake. And then Valpo moves to the tough spot of seven seed as they're tied with Indiana state at three and four. A little programming note here before we jump into this great interview with Rex from the Aces Hoopcast podcast. Um, so 
This interview was conducted before the news that Walter McCarty was fired at Evansville. And so just wanted to give some context before we jumped in this interview. It's still a great interview, a preview of um, just the, the aces and how the, fa- how the fan base is doing and just great in- insight from Rex. So just want to give that quick programming note before you uh, started listening. All right, I am really excited to be joined by Rex from the Aces Hoopcast, which is a podcast that is all things Evansville basketball. Um, I've listened to the podcast. Everyone go out there and listen to it. But, hey, we've got him on the March to the Arch podcast. How are we doing today, Rex? I'm great, Vance. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so um, we currently the Evans are unfortunately 0-6 um, on the Valley season. Um, but Evansville has probably had the highest moment of the Missouri Valley Conference season when you guys knocked off UK. Uh, first off, were you at the game? And maybe uh, talk through what it was like being, um, you know, an Evansville Purple Ace then. I mistakenly did not make the trip, Vance. And um, But what I did was I, uh, some friends and I had kind of sectioned off a corner of a bar to watch the game. And uh, they were playing the sound to the Indiana game. And we kept telling them, hey, we're beating Kentucky. Uh, give us the sound on this thing. And they could, it was, you know, in Indianapolis. And they were like, hey, we're, we're watching Indiana. And at some point, they kind of, you know, we, we got the bar manager's attention and said, we are beating Kentucky. Turn the sound on. And at that point, when they did, the whole place went crazy. So it was a really good time. That was a mistake on my part for not making the trip. But, uh, you know, it was a really close second. Um, at like you say, beating Kentucky in Rupp Arena is something that is just uh, you know an, an incredible highlight, and uh, you know maybe one of the best episodes uh, upsets we've seen in a long, long time. Absolutely, and you know I was very excited for you guys, but I was kind of bummed because a year before uh, Sukies actually went to Rupp Arena too, and we were leading at halftime, and I thought we won the national championship at that time, <laughs> yet alone right. going the distance. <laughs> um, but. You know, it's if you're throwing watch parties um, and you know being going to the bar out with buddies to watch Evansville games, you know you got to have um, a great history of uh, liking Evansville. So, where does your fandom come from? Well, I was I was lucky enough to play very very poorly at the University of Evansville a long time ago, so it was it was just a great experience. Um, I uh, I started the student uh, group there, so at one time we had. 400 students going to every Aces game at Roberts Stadium. And then I walked on as a senior, which was just a great experience. I, uh, Coach Cruz was just invaluable to me in, in terms of college basketball knowledge. And I just soaked it all up because I wanted to be a college basketball coach. So what I did was I just went in and I, I used that as uh, an internship. And I was lucky enough then to play, um, you know, play for Coach Cruz for that year and then coach college basketball for four and then coach some high school basketball since then. It's May AU as well. So, um, you know, then, but Evansville was really, really good to me. Um, I was able to do, um, you know, play division one sports, be uh, very, very active on campus. And it just holds a very special place in my heart. And now you get to cover it on a podcast. That's, uh, that's great. And, you know, we, we talked a little bit beforehand, but that's what makes, I think, the Missouri Valley great. It's just it's very kind of almost an intimate conference. Everybody knows each other. And, you know, you really get the opportunity to dive deeper into the team and almost feel a part of it, you know, you know compared to like a U.K. or a Louisville. 
Right. I mean, you get you if you want, you can get access to uh, the team. You can, you know, obviously you're going to sit a little bit closer, um, but it's still a big time feel. You know, and Absolutely. you're talking about Evansville's and uh, Northern Iowa's and the Loyola's that are that are uh, going in and really nobody wants to schedule any of us anymore. You know, right. and so you've got these really intimate um, uh, arenas and you've you've got access to uh, people and they're just really good people. And then they're just going and competing at the highest level. It's to me, it's it's just great. And then you, you throw in Arch Madness on the top of it. I mean, it's uh, it's just it's the best. It's the best it, conference. There is. It it really is. And you know, I can go on, and we will go on, um, you know, in future episodes about how great Arch Madness is in that experience. So hopefully, get to see it then. But all right, so we started the high, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of people would say Evansville has probably had one of the lows of uh, the Missouri Valley Conference with um, Coach McCarty having to uh, be placed on administrative leave. But really that kind of came the rise of Benny Seltzer. So I'm kind of interested in your thoughts on, you know, just the way in which Benny has approached the team when he's assumed the head coaching. And have you seen any differences um, with him assuming uh, the interim coach? Well, Benny, Benny's put in a tough spot, right? I mean, that, this is not the way anybody expected this to go. That's not the way anybody wanted this to go. Coach McCarty was really, um, you know, he was the inspirational leader and the guys rallied behind him. So when, uh, when that was kind of taken away from the guys, Benny was put in an unenviable spot. Um, but he's a tough guy. And, um, you know, he's, he's been well-schooled. I mean, he's, he's uh, been with, really good coaches. He was with Tom Crean at Indiana. He was with Kelvin Sampson at Oklahoma. He's, he's really, um, you know, well-schooled in all this and, and how to win at the college basketball level. So, you know, what you've seen out of this group is probably what would have happened anyway, but, but Benny has really turned the screws on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, adding detail as you get into conference season. And then, and then, um, and we talked about it on uh, the Hoopcast this week about, how coaches have to manufacture points um, for their teams as the Valley season gets, gets involved and how your sets have to be a little more intricate, how you have to have a few more options, how you have to have a few more looks. And Benny's done that at a really good level. I mean, just the last couple of weeks, he's added stuff that um, has given our guys a chance to, uh, to score. And all that stuff comes with the evolution of the offense, which he's been charged with. And, and I think he's done a really good job, even though, so right now, the win-loss record uh, doesn't support that, but that's also because DeAndre Williams has been out for four games. And let me tell you, that will do it if that guy's not on the floor. Yeah, so um, any update on him, hopefully soon? Is that kind of what you're hearing? Yeah, um, you know, he. so DeAndre is a special, special talent, and he, is, um, he, he hurt his back um, in that Valpo game. And so he's been out for the last four games. And, and I think – Everybody around Evansville is, is just taking a very cautious approach to this. There's just no reason to rush him back, um, and, you know, and maybe not let that thing heal up. If any of you or listeners have had back issues, you know um, it is a very tricky thing. And, and um, if it's not right, it's just not right. And so you have to take your time with it. And so I think rightfully so. The training staff and Coach Seltzer have, have taken their time with getting uh, DeAndre back. But – Man, um, we cannot wait to get him back on the floor because anytime a guy shoots 70% from the field, um, it cleans a lot of things up on the offense, man. 
Yeah. And I think that puts kind of Evansville in context for a lot of our listeners in that from a senior perspective, um, you only have KJ Riley, right? That's a starter. That's a senior. That's and correct. I mean, there's no reason to rush it. You have a youthful team and, you know, I believe you mentioned this, that you're kind of looking to the, the next couple of years and building around hopefully some success this year. And obviously you've had success this year, but what can be what's next? So there's no really big reason to rush him back. Well, I mean, certainly the the city of Evansville rallies around uh, the University of Evansville men's basketball team. I mean, it, it, it has, you know, since legitimately the early 60s. Um, when the when the really the tradition from a red McCutcheon started so the whole city rallies around this group and um, you know that's evidenced by um, the large um, fan attendance that we have and um, you know comparatively in the valley and you know so we we took a long approach or coach McCarty took a long approach and and you know how it is it's not easy in this league I mean every night you're going against uh, teams and coaches that are very well schooled. Um, any type of mistake will, will cost you. Um, you know, we were pretty good against Missouri State for about 35 minutes the other night, and then mm-hmm. took a couple bad shots, and it cost us. So there's no easy outs. There's no uh, easy games in the Missouri Valley, and so all this stuff is a building process. And we thought we had made a big step this year, um, and you know, it's just one of those things where. Um, you take steps and uh, we thought we thought next year was probably you know the or this year would be a good one but uh, next year for sure good yeah so um, kind of along those lines looking to the future um, you know you have a couple signings uh, Samari Curtis who came from Nebraska by way of a lot of schools so you know I think a lot of you when they saw the um, Coach McCarty going on administrative leave, and then you you signed a player during that period. You know, there's got to be in the fan base like, okay, you know, there's there's some positive energy here. For sure. I mean, the first of all, I mean, the fans are dying for a winner again, and just dying for somebody to root for um, at the University of Evansville. Just like I said, the history goes way way back. It is um, born into a lot of people. It, um, you know, in the city of Evansville, that they root for the team, the Aces. And, um, you know, so they're dying for, for a winner. And so, you know, you have all this turmoil. It kind of it kind of shakes people a little bit. But, you know, we're talking about going up and down. You know, we, right. we started pretty good. We, we have a great win at Kentucky. Go to the Bahamas, kind of lay an egg, you know that that kind of thing. Then we come back, we beat Murray State, you know, and they're they're in the top twenty-five in the mid-major polls now again, you know. So we're like, okay, now we're back. Then um, then we have this issue with Coach McCarty, you know, like, oh man, you know that that couldn't get worse. And then Samari commits and he enrolls in campus, and you go, okay, things are right now. Um, then uh, DeAndre hurts his back, so you know we thoroughly expect the put up a C-note against Valpo this weekend and, you know, like get it back rolling again, I guess. I don't know. Like uh, it's just been up and down this year. I think Evansville's probably been the hardest one that it's basically throw a dart at a board and see what's going to happen because it's just really been hard to predict, you know, you know, you guys this season, really. I mean, just because of the, the roller coaster ride, it has been. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I never encourage anybody to bet on college basketball, but uh, man, th- this year for sure, if you're betting on Evansville, like 
you know, get, get your meds checked or something, man, because, uh, that is, uh, that, that is a wild ride. Yeah. So, you know, um, what if, if, if someone as a casual fan was going to come up to you and said, Oh, you're Owen six. Um, what is one thing you would respond and say, Hey, don't count out the aces because blank. Yeah. Well, I would say I would start with Deandre Williams and the fact that he's been out for four games. So, I mean, legitimately, if you take the best player off the Missouri Valley, any Missouri Valley team, they're going to struggle. I mean, that's just, that's just, I mean, you take AJ Green off you and I, they're not nearly as good. They're just not. I mean, they're, you know, he makes them go the same way with, you know, and I I thought Bradley's rebounded pretty well, right? Elijah Childs gets hurt. He, he goes down. Well, you know, you take that production from any team in the Missouri Valley and that's a real struggle. So uh, the big key with all these teams is staying healthy, having depth. And, you know, when, when our best player goes down, you know, and he's averaging, um, you know, like the last couple of games, he was averaging, you know, almost 25 points a game for the last couple of games he was playing. He really figured it out. Uh, keep in mind, you know, this is he didn't play as a freshman. So he's a sophomore. So he's really he's played 10 college games. And he's shooting seventy percent. I mean, nobody does that. That's completely unreal. So you take that production off that team, um, and you have to start going to your second option as your first option now, and it, it just is a struggle. So um, you know that is uh, it's just how how um, uh, how it works in the valley, and nobody gives you any sympathy. So yep. know, we got to get him back first and foremost. And the, the good parallel, um, I mean, Bradley last year started the season 0-5, and, and they made the NCAA tournament. And, um, right. you know, it comes down to three or four days in, um, in St. Louis is what it comes to. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, you know, that's why um, Arch Madness is so much fun is anybody gets hot and, and then, you know, off they go and they play in the NCAA tournament. And we know. We know right. that – like no matter who comes out of the valley, they're going to represent us well. So I mean, Bradley last year, like nobody would have picked them early, but they gave um, Michigan State everything they wanted in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And so we know that anybody that comes out is going to represent us well. Absolutely. So am I going to see you at Arch Madness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, I'm I'm from Southern Illinois originally, not very far from. So it's a it's a, not only is it a great tournament, I, I get to knock out two birds with one stone. I get to say hello to my mom, so that's good, and um, you know, let her cook me dinner, which is great. Uh, but uh, yeah, the the tournament is going to be so much fun this year. I mean, really, there's Evansville sitting at zero and six, and it would not shock me at all if they if they won three straight there. Absolutely. So, all right. Um, where can people find you? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the easiest thing is uh, you, if they're on Facebook, you can follow us on uh, the Aces Hoopcast. Uh, same thing on Twitter, um, the Aces Hoopcast. So search for that, and um, you know that's that's good. And then um, I'm on iTunes, and then also SoundCloud. So the Aces Hoopcast on uh, SoundCloud. A lot of aces basketball every week for me. That's yeah, I can attest to our listeners. Go out, listen to the aces um, hoopcast if you want to get some in-depth, great interviews out there that Rex gets um, from the staff and players at Evansville, and just 
honestly a good listen um, if you want to dive deeper into the Aces season and just how they've been doing. So, hey, Rex, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to just give us a little primer on Evansville and you know update us on how things are going and uh, what we can look forward to the rest of the Missouri Valley Conference season. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Um, we're, we're still pretty optimistic here in Evansville, but uh, it will really help when we get that first win, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Hey, thank you again. No, thanks for having me, Vance. I really appreciate it. All right. It's time for the uh, a couple of different things we're going to go through real fast. The uh, Larry Bird Eliminator. So uh, just to give you a recap, uh, this is the basically at the end of this whole deal, we want to make sure that we are holding the Larry Bird Player of the Year. Um, we both get to hold on to three players. We get to add and drop as we go today. Vance is up first to decide whether he wants to add or drop, and then it'll go to me. Uh, recap of who has who. Uh, Vance has JFL from uh, Valpo. He has Liam Robbins from Drake and Tyreek Key from Indiana State. I have Cameron Crotwig of Loyola, AJ Green of UNI, and Daryl Brown of Bradley. Vance, would you like to drop any of your three players? Yeah, I also just want to go ahead and give you the award. Um, but <laughs> I will be dropping... Um, don't... You have JFL. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm going to drop William Robbins, and I'm just going to hedge and say I will pick up uh, Trey Burhow from Northern Iowa. Wow. Didn't see that coming. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to drop Daryl Brown. Okay. Uh, I am going to drop Daryl Brown, and I am going to pick up Roman Penn okay. from Drake. There you go. All right. Um, would you like to drop JFL or Tyreek King? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> okay, and I do not want to drop either of the other two. So, uh, quick recap. Um, we have Vance, you now have JFL, Trey Burhow, and Tyreek Key. I have Cameron Crutwig, AJ Green, and Roman Penn from Drake now. Uh, so that is the Larry Bird Eliminator for this week. So now we're going to talk about the take board. We haven't really talked about this and uh, just kind of throwing out different takes that we've had throughout the year. Um, we have right now, um, it, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of, we're kind of close in some of these regards. There's a couple that are a little lopsided. Um, the first one we did was the who's going to finish higher in the valley between Northern Iowa and Drake. Not looking good for me on that one. Nope. Um, we also have who's going to finish or um, who's going to finish higher between Loyola and Missouri State. Looking real good for me on that one. So you have Loy Baker has Loyola and I have Missouri State. Correct. Yep. Correct. So that's pretty much a wash between those two. Your over under one and a half teams for the NCAA tournament um, was actually this was uh, the reason I want to I was kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this one is because with the Northern Iowa loss, where do you, where do you kind of see them as an at large? Because I think we're kind of on opposite ends right now. So I think their hopes are dashed. To be really, you think honest. they're dead? I, no, I'm not saying they're dead. Because if they go on a, if they do not lose another game, they're still in the contention. But I don't think they're gonna win out. So I think they can lose one more regular season game. I think 15 and three, and only having four losses overall, is enough to be an at-large team. Okay. Um, so I think that their margin for error is one more. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you lose two more. I think that you're really pressing it. 
The only reason and I'm also that. saying don't get embarrassed in St. Louis. Right. And I'm also saying that from the perspective of you've gone on the road and lost to two teams that will likely be on the bottom half of the Valley. So that doesn't look well whenever you still have right. big games coming up. Sure, sure. So the bad losses are going to hurt them. But, um, so that one I think still in play because you had the over for mm-hmm. one and a half teams. So um, definitely still in play there. The Ken Palm top 100, uh, I had over four and a half teams. Surprisingly, we were kind of in the hunt on that one. Okay. So um, that one's still to be decided. So I think those two are kind of out. We'll see what happens. Uh, the next one, the fifth and final one, I'm in bad shape. Who's going to finish higher, Illinois State or Southern Illinois? I'm not looking good there. Not looking good there. <laughs> so Hopefully it gets worse um, on Saturday. But, yeah, no, as, as of now, those are our takes. Do you have anything to add to the take board today? Not right now. Um, I, I think just as the season progresses, we're going to have – it's, it's going to get more locked down. We need, to, we need to come up with something for next week to yep. add to the take board. And if everyone um, doesn't know already or doesn't infer from our allegiance, me being an SIU fan and Baker being an ISU fan, we have our own personal uh, lunch bets that each time the Salukis and Redbirds uh, go head-to-head, um, whoever loses buys the other guy lunch. Can't wait. Real quick, let's uh, preview games eight and nine of the Missouri Valley Conference season. So starting here on Saturday, January 25th, uh, we've got Bradley at Indiana State. Um, So Sycamores against Bradley. I'll be interested to see if uh, Brown is back for that game. I think he will be. Mm Mm-hmm. But for this game, I'm going to take the Sycamores. I think they're, um, they'll protect Holman Center. Yep, totally agree. And then probably the biggest game for us this weekend is uh, the Southern Illinois Salukis traveling to Normal, Illinois, and taking on the Illinois State Redbirds. Um, Salukis still looking for their first conference road win. Um, I think they're going to get it, and there's no, no reason that's going to come out of my mouth other than I think they're going to win. Illinois State's not going to lose this game. Okay. Um, so one thing that I have been saying is that there's been years in the past that I have not expected a win when the Sukis come to town. I'm not there yet on Saturday, but I just want you to know, Baker, that my expectations are rising. Sunday, January 26th, Missouri State at Drake. I'll take the Bulldogs. Give me Drake. But that's going to be a really good game. So I think another big one um, after Northern Iowa losing at Southern Illinois is Loyola is traveling to uh, the McLeod Center in Cedar Falls. I think you and I bounces back and beats the Ramblers on Sunday. I think so too, but Loyola's playing really, really well. Yep. This is going to be a huge one. Loyola can get some significant difference, uh, sure. distance um, in the standings here. Yep. Then we got Evansville at Valpo. Valpo. Yep. No indications that Evansville is going to get a win anytime soon. Yep. Then the full slate on Wednesday, the 29th. Everybody's in action on Wednesday? Here we go. So we got Valpo at Bradley. I'll take Bradley. Yep. Same. Drake at Indiana State. This one's tough for me. Uh, I'm going to take the home team, Indiana State Sycamores. I agree. I will take Sycamores as well. Missouri State at Northern Iowa. I'll take the Panthers. Yep. Evansville at Illinois State. Who are you taking? I'm sorry. I'm just saying these with a little giddy voice, Baker. I do need to apologize to you. I'm sorry. Um, Who are you taking? The Redbirds. I'm taking the Redbirds. Oh, are you taking the Redbirds? I am taking the Redbirds. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course I'm going to take the Redbirds there. And then we've got Loyola going to uh, SIU. Um, I'm taking the Salukis at home. They're str- they're 
They're protecting the Banterra Center. I think Loyal is too good to lose two games in a row, and I think they're going to lose at Northern Iowa, and I think they're going to beat Southern Illinois. Okay. All right, that's uh, been our picks for games eight and nine. So uh, as we close out this episode, 23, Baker. Um, where the Michael Jordan us? episode. Michael Jordan episode. There we go. Of course. Um, where can people find us? You can find us online uh, on Twitter at MarchArchPod, at MarchArchBaker. Uh, send us your tweets, uh, different things like that. Uh, we're always on there kind of lurking around. So uh, if you got any fun takes, throw them out there. Uh, you can also send uh, stuff to the mailbag. We've had a lot of good feedback from you guys and some different takes that you guys have that you want to put into a little bit longer uh, longer form. It's uh, MarchArchMailbag at gmail.com. Um, outside of that... Uh, Anything else for you? Hey, thanks, listener uh, Debbie, for always giving good feedback to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this has been episode 23 of the March to the Arch podcast of this 2019-2020 Missouri Valley Conference season. With that, I will say go Valley, go Dogs, beat the Redbirds. Go Redbirds. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?